welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast, season 10, episode 12. Good to be with you again. We've got a full house with us. We actually have one more guest coming on shortly with us. So as always, uh, my name is Dan Fellers. We've got our regular host, Camille Parks and Ali Alosa with us. Welcome back. And we have two new faces with us. And let me get rid of our banners here so we can see you guys. There we've got Andy from Data Fetcher and Chris Dancy from Chris Dancy's World. <laughs> the most connected man in the world, Chris Dancy, with us. A pleasure to have you back. And. We've got uh, regulars with us joining live. Always love to have our live participants. Glad you could be here. Sounds like there's an echo with my audio. Hopefully that improves. So uh, the Built on Air podcast is a live show we do every Tuesday. This is our last episode of season 10. So we always do 12 episodes each season. And um, so this is an exciting one. We've got a full house with us. And we always go through four different segments. I'll run through briefly what we're going to be talking about today. We always start with round the bases, talk about what is going on in the Airtable community. Then we'll do a spotlight on Entrepreneur, our primary sponsor. Then Ali will go through a field focus segment on rollups. Then we'll learn more about Andy Cloak, one of the creators in the Airtable ecosystem and his background. Then a quick spotlight on our community at Built on Air. And then finally, Andy will walk us through his app called Data Fetcher. And that will conclude this week's episode and this season's as well. So with that, with Round the Bases, Chris, if you want to share your screen, see if it works. And Chris, we're going to start off with Chris and what he's up to and got some um, some uh, announcements of what's coming up. I know we've talked about it. See if your screen is. Let me see. We will see. And, I don't. Oh, look! There it is. You have to log permissions. Yes. Um. <laughs> sorry. Uh, I'm kind of goofy. I apologize, everyone. Um. So yeah. So this is kind of cool. So I know. Thank you guys for, for chatting about it. This really started back in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. I just had this idea that. I, I think I was on your show, I don't know when, I'd have to ask Ali, maybe 2019, I have no idea. It was, I'm 54 years old. It was a long time ago. Okay, so. <laughs> when was it? April of 2020, like right in the okay. beginning of the pandemic. Okay, so I was on the show and I just couldn't get over how connected your community was and it was just wild for me. And I just had this idea, like, why don't we get just random people together to share what they're doing with Airtable. And one of the things I really wanted to focus on with that event was really, I hate to say this, but come down on like, how do we really accentuate the diversity within Airtable? Because a lot of the communities I was seeing at the time were full of people that looked like me, you know? And I, I really thought it was kind of important. Like, is there something more than that? 
And are people building things that aren't CRMs, right? Are people building things that aren't like all this automation? And I just think Airtable's, I mean, Camille is a community planner. I mean, right there, right? So there are people doing things that were outside of like a business. So we had an event in 2020. It was super successful. I'm super proud of it. But that brings us to now. So I kept getting asked over and over again, please do another event. And I just, it's a lot of work. I don't have to tell you guys, you put on a show, you've got a community. Uh, I've partnered with Ben. So, you know, there's going to be even more work for me to do because I partnered with Ben. He's lovely, but let's, let's be honest, you know, got to do the work if you want to get it done. Um, and that's when we came up with this idea for Daretable. So what is Daretable? So again, it's a, it's a community event focusing on three things, community expo and awards. It's something we're, we're going to try to do yearly now. And once again, we said, what can we do with this? So what's really cool about Daretable at the event is first off, it's coming up and it's in person. So in person, wow, that's kind of a big deal. That's kind of scary uh, for a lot of people. For me, I just got back from an in-person event in Orlando. But I think more than anything, I think it's time that we all start to try to meet again and get to know each other. I think everybody's doing such amazing work. I know I personally would kill to hug Camille or Allie uh, with their permission. <laughs> I'm going to say it again, with their permission. I have a report issues button right on the site. So with their permission, uh, but just meet people. Um, but one of the things I really want to do with the conference this year, since you know diversity was a big focus last year, was also, again, focus on the diversity. So again, we did really good this year, but I wanted the site itself and the conference itself to be run on Airtable. So again, if you're, if you're not a conference attendee yet, you won't see this screen. But what we did was we have an internal section called app where you can come in here, you can pull up the sessions. Uh, we've got something like this on the public side too. You can rate them, you can learn about the speaker, you can see where the session is. But again, everything built right on Airtable. Super proud of it. Uh, I think it was probably the coolest thing we've done with the conference. Right now, we wanted to get to be about 75 people for the event. Right now, I think we're at close to 55. So I'm a little short, so I'm, I'm hoping I'll get some more folks in this week which is pretty good when you consider we've got that many people to fly in from all over the United States. Um, the other big thing we did with the event was we wanted to make sure we started to really get into looking at the sponsor and the sponsor ecosystem. So we've been fortunate that Airtable was our very first sponsor. I love that. Uh, you guys are a sponsor, Pori's a sponsor. And with our sponsors, they're doing all sorts of things with us. So Airtable is actually doing a evening get together party on Friday night. So they're providing uh, dessert and drinks. They'll actually have a live help desk. So if you're at the conference and you have a question and you actually want to talk to someone at Airtable, they're manning a help desk for us, which I think is super cool. Uh, they're sending two speakers and a bunch of folks. So that's kind of it. I don't want to go on too long because I know you've got a super busy show, but uh, anything I can like answer directly. Dates and pricing. Yeah, I was about to, I was about to say, when is it, Chris? Ah! Sorry, sorry. Uh, guys, I just got back from Orlando. I was on, on a, like a TV show all week. Um, so it's April 8th and 9th. So it's about three weeks away. Two weeks if, you're, if your glass is half empty. Three weeks if your glass is half full. Uh, so a Friday and Saturday. It's in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'll be sending out an email to all the attendees today and all the speakers today with rooming, pricing of a room. Some people are having trouble finding rooms. It can be pricey. Um, the pricing, we have a special for... Um, people who are in the Facebook community. It's it's right now the pricing is 250, but Dan, I'll make sure I get you a link to like get a cheaper version of that. Yeah, we've we got, got we've, you, you gave us a coupon for the built on air community. So we have a 40% okay. off for built on air as well. Right, and, and it killed me because it was supposed to be 40% of the full price and we ended up charging some people more. So we have to do refunds, it's a whole drama. Um, but yeah, that's it, I'm super excited. I think more than anything, I want people to meet each other. I don't know. Dan, Camille, Ali, Andy, have yeah. you guys met any of the we people in the- No. Not no. in person, Every no. I've made the joke before, I think on your show, Chris, that everyone seems to be based in Texas or Ohio and no one's in California. <laughs> so just sort of alone over here. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. That's what I'm most excited about. Last but not least, if you're someone who can make it to Texas or you're in Texas and you don't have the funds, Airtable was not enough to buy 10 seats for people who are financially need support. So while we can't fly you there or drive you there or put you up in a room, 
we are giving away 10 of those seats. I just got that email from them today. So it's good stuff. Yay. Very cool. I'm excited. I'll be there. Camille and Ali will be there. Andy, you're a little bit farther away. Any chance? Yeah, yeah. Andy, are you going? <laughs> well, I just realized, coincidentally, I'm coming to Austin a week later for just like wow. a, a holiday with my mates. So I'm now looking at moving my flights. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fun fact I was waiting forever to get my hotel stay uh, sorted. I got my flights and my conference ticket. Um, and then when I went to get my hotel, I actually got the hotel for the wrong week and had ah. to go through a whole <laughs> refund process and moving it and all that. And that was fun. Nice. Well, a a Andy, where are you located? I'm um, London. Well, right now I'm in Rio, but normally London. Yeah. Someone on LinkedIn said they wanted to do it. And I said you could use the table and everything if you wanted to do a dare table in London. So maybe if you don't make it, do your own. Yeah, sounds good. All right. Thank you so much for Dan for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get you back. We'll get into, if you don't know, Chris, uh, Google him. He's easy to find. He's everywhere. And he's got an amazing story. We did a deeper dive with him in a previous uh, podcast and we'll get you on again and, and learn what you're doing. Maybe once you have time to breathe after the conference, <clears throat> I give good search. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very true. And and Chris's show is off the record, hosted with Ben Green on the Facebook Airtable community. Yeah, I think, think bi-weekly. Yeah. evening, yeah. So, very good. All right, well, let's find out. There's been some uh, happenings in the Airtable world, so we're going to talk about what's going on. And a couple new features got released this week. And... They, they're going to stay, I think. <laughs> I don't think they're going to take them back like the last time we uh, highlighted new features. So first one, hide form fields by URL parameters. I've already started using this. I'm sure everybody else has as well. Mm -hmm. Thoughts on this new feature? Um, I like it. It's. I think it's one of those things that's been requested for forever. And people have brought up that it's not necessarily your solution if you wanted to hide, you know, very sensitive data because you could just read the, the URL. But if it's something like pre-filling a record ID, the average person isn't really going to see that and go, let me get in there and change the URL really quick. Uh, so, you know, I think it's pretty useful. I wonder if, has anyone tried if this works, if you embed it in a website somewhere? Like if you put it in an iframe. Yeah, it should work. Yeah. Okay. Because then you can, then there's no URL display to the user. And so, you know, that might be one little workaround if you have the means of embedding a form into a website. Yeah. Yeah, that could work. Could someone explain it to me? <laughs> yeah. So before you could pre-fill forms on a form, what field, fields on a form, by adding uh, some parameters to the URL, I think you would say underscore prefill equals and then the name of the field and all of that. And that was great, but the field had to be shown to the user. So if you wanted to prefill something that you didn't want them to change, there was still the opportunity for them to go in and adjust the spelling or something like that. With this, it's in addition to that feature. So you can prefill uh, fields that are visible and prefill fields that are not. So again, not the best if you want to hide sensitive data, like I wouldn't put your social security number as a field um, that's yeah. pre-filled, but you know, uh, for, for, for simple things or, you know, pre-filling a feature like uh, is shown on their example, I think it should work great. Yeah, that makes sense. I did not know because we had done this with a pre-filled actually for the conference to pre-fill if speaker as a dot, but then it still shows them like you can uncheck it because it's a it's a mm -hmm. check. But this this would have been really useful. Yeah. yeah. I don't understand yeah. what I mean there's gotta be something like different about the way Airtable forms work versus others. Cause like what like if it were just jot form for example, like you don't have to actually say hide this field. It can just be a hidden field and that's not part of the URL. Like, I don't know, it, it just seems a little strange to me, but mm -hmm. I'm, I'm excited that the feature is here. I agree, Rebecca. That was yeah. just the first <laughs> example that came to mind. 
Well, yeah, I've always know. wanted. I've always wanted to do defaults. Like I don't know. Like even like an Airtable, I still want to do a default. Like make this yeah. every time, but allow me to override it. I will. Yeah, it's good to disable it as well, rather than just hide it. Because sometimes you want to say to the user, "This is what you're applying for." Yeah, you know, you're a speaker applying for Airtable. Um, you know, this is what you're going to submit. Whereas hiding seems like almost a step too far. But I guess you want both, really. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, the big thing that um, is pretty common, if, especially if you have like a LinkedIn or a linked record field, um, right. instead of using the dropdown. So that's where like you don't want to expose like, you know, the, all the users in your database, for example, the workaround. And I'll actually highlight this now. Um, our friend John did a video talking about how you can use this feature for updating existing records. And mm -hmm. the big thing is using a text field with the record ID. And so you update and so you, you pre-fill a text field instead of a linked uh, record field. And then that way, and especially if you hide it, then they, they won't be able to see that. And even if they expose it, you're just exposing a text field instead of a, a drop-down listing of all the data in a, in a linked record. Exactly. And so that's one workaround. And so if you want to, if we want a deeper dive, John did a really good video talk walking through how you do that. Absolutely. I think Airtable actually has like a support article on, I mean, it's a very old support article, so it doesn't involve the pre-filling forms, but like of how to actually allow people to use an Airtable form to update a table with like a copy of that table in the same base, if that makes sense. It's an interesting little workaround. But this is the reason why I love mini extensions so much is because you don't have to worry about any of this. You can just yeah. like pre-fill the linked record field and lock it and it still shows up, but nobody can get rid of it, which is awesome. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So there's there's some workarounds there. So that's a good good addition if you're using the the default um, Airtable forms. So check that out. We'll check out a new one. Another feature that got released and apparently got pulled back for an hour or two and then and then pushed back, but formula editor improvements, so much, much needed. Many complaints on this podcast of dealing with the formula editor. So who wants to talk through the changes here? Well, in the before times, I would write a lot of my formulas just in the Airtable community forum. Like I, I would just write it there because it's still not, you know, super convenient, but it's easier. Um, mm -hmm. Now that they've made adjustments, well, backing up beforehand, the formula editor in Airtable was, um, you know, a very small amount of space that they would give you. Um, if you put in a function, both the closing parentheses would appear, but everything was like sort of one color and it was kind of hard to separate if you had multiple functions going on at once. Um, and you also couldn't indent or put things on a new line very easily. You could copy and paste formulas that had multiple lines in, um, in them into the editor, but you couldn't do that directly within. Um, with these adjustments, you can kind of see in this uh, preview that they have, that they have color-coded different things. Green would be an Airtable function, purple being a uh, name of a field, uh, black, I think is, or maybe it's green. No, I think black is like just plain text. Um, if you yeah. included a string, they, they also will turn, it turns it black if it's a wrong name too, which is Got it. really, uh, that's helpful. Um, and, uh, my favorite thing is that you could put things on multiple lines. So if you have nested ifs or I use switch statements all the time, it just makes, uh, formulas a lot more readable. Um, and you have more room to work with. I think when it was taken down for that hour, some things were a little bit twitchy. I don't know yeah. if they've all been resolved. Some of, Someone was pointing out that the iPad, you know, the editor wasn't working too well on an iPad. I don't have one, so I never was able to test it. Yeah. I ran into some weird issues while writing. Like I have like this muscle memory while I'm writing formulas and like I would be typing and then all of a sudden part of it would just be gone like a whole part of my if statement that was removed if I picked an item from the, the drop down list, like if I clicked a field name to insert, 
then it would just delete a whole chunk of the formula, like so much of it that I had to start over because I was like, I don't know what it deleted and now I'm confused. Ugh. But I haven't had that problem since they relaunched it. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I think my favorite feature is that the box will actually grow as you yes. scale down. So it's not that tiny little window. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's very good. So yeah, much needed. I mean, this is one of the, those core things that like only Airtable can fix and um, such a you know heavy part of what makes Airtable special is their formula. So very happy to see the improvements there um, with that. Good stuff there. All right, moving on. So this is um, an update to a previous release that wasn't received well. So if you remember, what well, maybe a month ago, they they um, they called it improvements to expanding and editing records. So the expand view of a of a record uh, did not go over very well. There was many things that people complained about. Um, and so embedded inside of that thread, an Airtable employee, uh, Rotimi, um, gave an update of that they're working on changes and gave some, some of the highlights that they're looking to change. In particular, return of field icons and input borders, um, clear disabled read-only states, remove placeholder text, and other miscellaneous visual polish. So this is one where they're actually doing a good job of listening to the feedback. All four of those bullet points were definitely voiced by the majority of the responses. So good to see that they're listening to that feedback. And it sounds like shortly they'll be rolling out those updates. So that's uh, good to see that they're doing that. They didn't have any screenshots or anything, so we don't know exactly what it's going to look like or exactly when it's coming. Um, but hopefully soon we'll see that. Yeah. So that's worth sharing. All right. Oh yeah. One more, this one, this one, Camille will get excited about. I don't know if anybody else will, but if you're a developer, oh, Andy, Andy, you'll get excited about this as well. And uh, working on building custom apps, they just released 2.0 of their um, command line builder. Um, it's been in alpha for a while. I've been using it for a while, but they've made it official at 2.0. And um, so developers out there, it's much, it's a, it's a bit better experience. It allows for better code sharing between apps if you have more than one app. Um, so glad to see that that's moving forward. Thoughts? Yeah, so when, when this was released, my phone exploded because what happened was they posted about it on Twitter and then deleted that tweet and then redid it. There must've been like a typo or something. And then I got an email, I think, cause I'm in the marketplace. So they emailed all of the developers. And then I got another email because they posted it to this uh, category on the forums, which I'm following. So I had like six notifications <laughs> all about the same thing all at once. And I was like, what's happening? Um, I have tried the beta for this before and I wasn't able to get it to work. The thing I was most interested in is you could customize your bundler um, for people's reference. Um, when you're building an app uh, for Airtable, um, they have what's called a bundler that basically handles all of the styling. And if you're familiar with CSS, it kind of takes CSS and does stuff with it. Um, this new release should allow you to have a little bit more custom sort of control over how things get bundled, which means a platform that I use in a lot of my apps, I can finally upgrade to the new version because it requires to, it, to have a custom bundler. So I'm happy to see if I can get it to work um, this time around. I'm sure I probably will because before it was a beta, now it's fully released and I can get back to where I started with that other project. Yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the other nice thing is being able to share code between projects. Like, at the yeah. moment, I basically just work on data batches, so I don't, and I kind of stop freelancing, so I don't mind, but a few months ago, I was doing kind of like enterprise app development for a few different clients. And like often, yeah, you kind of spend hours making like a nice little component, um, and then you end up just copying and pasting it between projects. and so. 
yeah, yeah. Uh, being able to share code is, is a massive addition for sure. Yep, yep. It's also much faster. The build process with the 2.0 is is significantly faster than, than the previous one. So you can go in there. My favorite line is this last one. We're excited about our plans for the developer platform in 2022. Stay tuned. So hopefully there's more to come there. I want to see can, more there. <laughs> can I chime in on that? Sure. Yep. So the person they're sending to speak at the conference is Howie Lou. No, it's not Howie Lou. Uh, but he... That's who I asked for. But uh, the guy they're sending is the guy who's head of ecosystems. So I'm sure he's going to be plugged into all of this. So I'm really interested in what you guys think the future of this looks like. Because if you look at kind of the way they're looking at the developer platform and now how they're overlapping the importance of the ecosystems and how they're looking at those partnerships moving forward, and considering the guys coming from HubSpot and looking at his old work, I think it says a lot to what we might expect. So that last line really to me feels prescient. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm certainly hopeful. I mean, this the start of this year, they had a, a few stumbles, uh, I will say, but I think they're genuinely trying to sort of reach out more and sort of jumpstart this sort of uh, partnership program. They released that uh, consultant library for, you know, experts in Airtable so people can find them better and all of that kind of stuff. There's a couple things they're doing like this release here uh, that improve the developer experience and, you know, hopeful, hopeful. Yeah, yep. very good. Yeah, that'll be exciting. I assume that's Al, not not Al Bray that posted this, but there's, a, there's another Al that I think will be there. I assume that's who Chris is talking about. Yeah, I think his name was Al, to be honest with you. Yeah. I, yep. Yeah, I, I, I assume. Want... Yeah, that's who I know his background. He's the one that came from HubSpot. So yeah. that'll be good. Yeah. Very good. All right. So that concludes what's new in the Airtable communities of what's going on. Uh, we didn't get into all of them. I knew we'd be a little bit short on time, but um, some big announcements from Airtable. Always love seeing new features released and pushed out. Can I, can I just drop one more yeah. thing in there about the, yeah, yep. sorry. You know, a lot of times I think Airtable gets all this pressure from the community and their what they call their power users and everything else. I guess for me, because I'm so interested in how pressure is applied in big systems, an ecosystem pressure would actually also remedy a lot of things the power users want. So I'm all for like all of these different, you know, whether it's education or professional services. Again, right now, all their external pressure publicly is coming from power users. And I, I just think this is a really good thing. Because yeah. I, I don't like seeing people upset. I like seeing companies upset. <laughs> yeah, very good. We're definitely putting some pressure on for them as well. So appreciate that. All right, quick uh, highlight on Entourage, our primary sponsor. It's an all-in-one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. It's a suite of apps that allow you to expand your business if you're dependent on Airtable. Check it out. Check us out at ontoair.com. And for today's spotlight, I want to highlight something that's live. Um, we haven't pushed it yet to our customer base, but um, it's coming soon. We run our help center on Notion, and um, we're actually in the future looking to release some, some work with Notion, uh, working with them. Um, Andy, I don't know if you support Notion yet, but that's maybe something that is on your pipeline as well. Uh, but we're using Notion for our feedback um, or for our help center. And we just are launching a way to get feedback from our customers on what they want to see in our existing apps, as well as new apps that they'd like to see built. And we're actually, this is kind of a combination of, of Airtable and Notion. And so it's kind of cool to see. So if you want something new in any of our existing apps, or you want to see Ontario build a new app, check out our help center and our customer feedback section to let us know, fill out a quick form. We'll get it on there. It goes into how it's built is it goes into Airtable first. We review it. If we approve it, then we actually push it to uh, Notion to update in their site. And then it displays on our website um, from there. So it's kind of cool uh, learning more about Notion and working with this. And uh, we want to hear your feedback. So let us know more apps or more features that you'd like to see in our existing apps. Uh, we want to hear more of that feedback. So go to Ontario.com and there will be a link for our help center to, to find this section. 
Um, with that, we're going to move on to Field Focus and Allie. Walk oh. us through this. All right. So I'm going to talk about a little trick that I use very often. And actually, I, I won a really small Airtable contest like years ago with this formula. It was like, submit your favorite formula. And this is what I submitted. And they actually picked it as a winner. So this is a base that I've used before of just a list of vehicles. Um, and let's say that I want to produce a report that I can send out either in an email or I can send it to Google Docs. Um, there's all sorts of apps out there that will render HTML. Um, and all you need to do is know how to get that HTML out of Airtable. And I believe, Dan, you had talked about uh, Google Docs integration you have now with Onto Air that could probably use this as well. Um, so let's say I want to have an HTML table of these records and I want to have them all roll up to my audit representative, right? So I've got audit reps that are in charge of these vehicles and I want to be able to send each one of these records a list in an email of what vehicles they are responsible for. So um, if you're not familiar with HTML really quickly, this is just one row in a table. Um, there's tons of resources out there, but we're just going to be talking about putting together an actual table right now. And I'm going to show a live preview of what that actually looks like. So that's these are actual cells in a table going across, um, where TR means table row and TD means table data. So TD is a cell in a table, and table row or TR is a row in a table. So what's really cool about Airtable is I can start just writing in here. What I want to do is write the, the code for each row of my table. And so here, I'm just going to just go right across because these are the five cells I want to put in it. So I'm going to do TD and physical for the location slash TD. So that'll be my first cell. And another TD and year. And another slash TD, TD, and make. I'm just going to keep going across doing that until I finish with department and slash TD. And so what that is going to give me is one row in a table, ultimately. And so I usually like to put like a little gear here because I don't want anybody touching this. And I'm just going to call this HTML table row. And now what I do next is all dependent upon like what, how I want my table structured. So I could actually roll this up to each individual location and then up to the audit set, but the, I won't get into the intricacies of the linking relationships here. Um, but you can get really, really fancy with this stuff. Um, so if I go now to my audit groups table, which is where this linked record is going to, and I'm just going to add a roll up field. Actually, I'll show you a lookup field first quickly, just to show what that looks like. So here you can see separated by commas, I have every row in that table, but HTML, we want to actually have this separated with our table row tags. So I want to have a slash TR and then a TR to start my next row before I have my next uh, set of my table data cells. And the coolest thing about rollup fields, in my opinion, is if I pull in that same setup that I used for my lookup field, and put in a range. I was thinking, have they updated this to be the new editor? Uh, yes, somewhat. Like if I put in um, company vehicles, see that does change purple. Yeah. So it does. But you can't do new lines. I literally just had RRR and that type 
my array droid, array compact, array unique, like whole thing. Cause I use that instead of lookup fields exclusively. <laughs> and now I can't do that anymore. Uh. Um, and in this situation, you have to be really careful about using array unique. This situation, I know that I should actually have all unique values, um, but you might actually want to have not unique values in this. So I'm actually not gonna use array unique, but array compact will make sure that if I have any empty values in that cell on my company vehicles table, it won't give me, it'll just take those out of the list, um, which is great. But here's where the magic happens is if I just ended it there, I'd get essentially the same exact thing, um, still separated by commas, but I can actually pass in there a separator string, which is not even really documented, um, but I can put in slash tr tr. Now, instead of commas, I'm separated with table row tags, where is that slash tr tr, and now my new row starts. And so I've got now a big chunk of HTML and all I have to do is wrap this in the rest of my table HTML. So I wanna start it by saying table and usually I throw in a table style equals width 100% just so it's still pretty. And we need one more TR tag on the front and also one more TR tag on the end. And now I have this big chunk of HTML. And just to show what that looks like, I have my mini extensions set up, ready to go. I really like this trick. They have a um, HTML renderer. So all I need to really do is make sure that I've synced up my mini extensions so that I can see that field. And actually, it really, this is the only bummer that I don't like about mini extensions is it does require it to be a formula field that it's reading, not a roll up, which is very annoying. But if I just grab HTML, give that a second to sync, come on. I'm not do the right table. I didn't. A lot of groups. HTML. That's going to give me a link that I can copy and put on this table as a formula. What? Nope. Can't find it. View HTML. And now when I click on this link, now I've got a nicely formatted table and I'm for the sake of time, I didn't make this look super pretty, but I would have put, you know, headers at the top saying location, year, make, model, department. Um, you can get super, super fancy. And if you have like color coding going on, you could color code each tag with like if statements. And there's there's a whole lot to this and I can keep going forever, but I will yeah. spare you. Very cool. Yeah, that's definitely a useful trick with that roll up and lots of different ways you can use that. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that, Ali. Cool trick with the roll up and lots of different things, not just HTML. If you're if you are using Markdown or any anything, any data. I've done it even with like JSON. I've I've used that trick with JSON data. So lots of different things you can do there. I, I just want to mention real quick, I've seen a lot of people share things on Airtable and all sorts of, I've never seen anyone do formula writing with such confidence without any, mis <laughs> without any mistakes. So unrelated to what you showed, you are talented at a level that is beyond anything I can comprehend. Thank you. Very true. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Ali, for sharing that. Cool. In this segment, we're going to learn more about uh, Andy Cloak coming to us uh, originally from London, but you said you're currently in Brazil. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we'd love to hear, Andy, how you, what's your background, what's your story, how you came into the Airtable world. Tell us 
everything we need to know about Andy Cloak. Sure, yeah. Um, so background, I studied engineering at university and never really, never really settled on like a part of engineering that I liked. So I kind of got into coding after graduating, um, taught myself JavaScript, React, TypeScript, um, and then started kind of, yeah, as a software developer, front end developer, and kind of went full stack, uh, freelancing, working for loads of different startups in London. Um, like a lot of developers, basically was doing a lot of side projects and, you know, trying to launch something, trying to do my own kind of startup on the side and, and kind of doing the whole indie hacking thing. So working like nights and weekends and trying to launch a project. Um, I had a lot of failures, um, tried to do like a Spanish learning site, a football quiz site, like everything that didn't make any money, uh, I tried. Um, and then eventually um, had one that kind of, kind of went somewhere. So I kind of figured out how to scrape uh, TikTok um, just before TikTok was massive. Um, so like end of like 2019, just before lockdown, figured out basically how to scrape it and built like a, a marketplace or like a, a directory of like TikTok influencers. Um, and we sold it as like a subscription service to marketing agencies. Um, and then, yeah, pandemic happened, TikTok blew up um, and it, it did quite well. It grew really quickly, um, but it wasn't, it didn't feel like my life's work <laughs> scraping the TikTok app. Like I had two phones just like scrolling TikTok all day and I was like doing it and it just, the whole thing just felt like a little bit flaky, particularly because it was kind of based on scraping. So it could have just like died at any point. And like, so I kind of wanted to get out and, and go to something kind of more sustainable, but still like learn a load as to like how to market a business how to do customer support, that kind of stuff. Um, so I sold it to this US company for like an all right amount of money and kind of then spent a few months trying to find the next the next project. Um, and that's when I found Airtable. So I was trying to do newsletters. This was like 2020 when newsletters were like kind of, I don't know, blown up as well. Um, and I wanted to do a newsletter for IPO alerts. So basically when there's an IPO coming up, um, yeah, giving people kind of the inside track as to like how like, that I was coming up and they could kind of get in before or other people. Um, and I wanted to like manage that data in Airtable and send out a newsletter. Um, and so I needed to pull in an IPO calendar into Airtable. Um, and that was the first time when I kind of encountered this problem of like connecting Airtable to like an arbitrary API rather than just like, you know, Google, you know, something quite big where you got a Zapier integration. Um, and so that kind of like planted the seed. And then I gave up on the IPO idea. Um, but then a couple of months later, I was on Product Hunt, still looking for kind of a new idea. And I saw a Google Sheets add-on called API Connector, um, which is, uh, yeah, it was massive. It's getting, it had like 100,000 users. It seemed to be doing quite well. And I thought that was kind of the penny drop. And I was like, right, I could build this for a completely new platform to build this for um, Airtable. So uh, without trying to rip it off completely, I kind of added my own uh, improvements to it as well. Um, I kind of studied this Google Sheets add-on as well as like, Lots of other similar ones like Supermetrics, and there's quite a you know established uh, industry of like these connecting tools. Um, and I thought, why not build this uh, for Airtable? And then it was just really nice timing where Airtable had just opened up the App Store. They just released the SDK, uh, and they were kind of signaling that like they were going to let any developers build apps for it, not just like Typeform and like the big boys. So I kind of got started development, hoping that they'd then put the search and and let anyone kind of publish an app. Um, and so that was why when when they did eventually open it up, um, I basically submitted the next day uh, what I had yeah you know, what I'd done, and that was why DataFetcher was one of the kind of first um, apps on the App Store, um, and that was end of 2020. It was a long, long pr uh, process to get it through App Store review because they didn't really know what a lot of their policies were, uh, understandably, because they were just opening it up to any developers, and then most apps are obviously reasonably or often just front end focused and a little bit simpler, but DataFetcher was quite. It had a back end, it had um, users putting Stripe API keys and all sorts of scary stuff. And so I had like, quite a long process of Airtable of like, like you know, making sure my back end was encrypted and jumping through a few hoops from their um, platform team to make sure that um, people could safely use it, um, which, you know, luckily, touch wood, nothing's, uh, nothing's gone wrong yet. Um, and yeah, basically since then, I've been bootstrapping it. So it's a freemium product, so you can, you can sign up and use DataFetcher for free, um, you can run requests manually, you can do 100 a month, and by request, I mean import some data or send some data out. And then if you wanna schedule stuff so it happens automatically, or you wanna use it more than 100 times a month, then that's when you, you start paying. Um, and yeah, I've been bootstrapping it, adding everyone's feedback into it, um, we kind of like radically changed the, the UX recently, so it's gone from a kind of low-code tool that looks like 
postman, like the API client, we have to set everything up yourself. It's a more of a, a no-code tool, and kind of anyone can use it now um, because it's got these these no-code integrations that anyone can use to to set it up. Um, got about two hundred customers now, um, all around the world. The we talked about uh, Chris mentioned diversity earlier. The diversity in use cases has just blown my mind. Like I've got someone running a caravan company in the UK. I've got someone importing sewing patterns from a sewing social network, someone managing a suite of chalets in France. Uh, there's just uh, someone is using a vineyard CRM, using it to connect to a vineyard CRM. We've got someone who runs like a chain of yoga studios. They're just, the customers are just, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of crypto stuff, a lot of finance stuff, a lot of marketing, but some of the, the edge cases are just are just crazy. And I think that's that's really the power of DataFetcher has been how flexible it is. So you can connect to literally any, any kind of third party tool. And so, when there's not a Zapier integration, when there's not an Integramat uh, connector or whatever, that's when it becomes like, really powerful. Um, so yeah, looking forward to showing you the tool a bit later. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, that's cool, cool journey. Um, so it sounds like you've already had some success and, and doing well with your current one and and uh, excited to see that. Any, any questions for Andy before we go into his product? Not really a question, but we, we had Andy on the show before beforehand and we saw sort of the original uh ui and it's only improved since then i remember being so like impressed with some of the things that you had done as like a workaround for some of the components that are uh given as part of the sdk and even beyond that now it's just even more intuitive than it already was so i'm I'm a fan of good design and i like it (laughs) very very cool why don't you, Andy, if you want to start sharing your screen and while yep. you're doing that, I'll give a quick plug for our community built on air. If you enjoy this kind of conversation and want to meet and interact with like-minded Airtable fans and users and power users and experts and consultants, check us out at builtonair.com, builtonair.com slash join to get in. We have a Slack community of over a thousand users and um, always conversation going on. So We'd love to have you in with us. Please join us at builtonair.com. And with that, let's learn more about Data Fetcher. All right, there you go. Cool. Yeah, take it uh, away. So um, I'll skip over installing it. My screen. Yeah, you're good. Yeah, amazing. Cool. So yeah, so once you've installed the app in, in Airtable and then you'll need to sign up for like a free data fetcher account. So this is separate to your Airtable account. It's just a free um, like password and, and email. Um, and all that means is that we can store stuff safely on the back end. So if you've got other people that you want to share your base with, they're not going to see all your API details in data fetcher. They're just going to see a sign-in screen. Um, so that's an extra step. It's a little bit of um, friction, but like that's, that's the reason for it. And then once you've done that, you'll land on this home screen. Um, and you can click on create a first request. So because it used to be a slightly more technical tool, I've kept the, the language of requests, uh, which is slightly scary for non-technical people, but all it is is just a like a config, like a way of importing some data from somewhere. Um, and yeah, I'll just show you quickly what it used to look like, um, which Camille alluded to. So this was kind of what DataFitcher looked like before. It looks a lot like Postman, where you can put in a URL, a method, uh, you can put in things like headers and body and stuff like that. And it's obviously yeah more technical. Um, but what we've got now is this list of third-party applications that you can connect to. So um, this is what I spend most of my time doing at the moment, apart from marketing, is, is building these integrations. And what they mean is that we don't need to set all everything up from scratch ourselves. Um, so I'll show you Google Analytics today. So we select Google Analytics here, and then we need to kind of authorize data fetching Google Analytics. We're, we're losing Next. you a little bit, Andy. And we select the account. Cool. Um, so then we can give it a name, like fetch GA metrics. And we click save and continue in the bottom right here. And then we need to set some fields. So all of these ones with the red are mandatory. So we just need to select um, the account, the property, and then the view. So yeah, if you're familiar with Google Analytics, these are usually kind of at the top in the Google Analytics dashboard, and they're just the um, the kind of view that you're, you're pulling data from. We've then got date range. This is like for what range do we want to pull in metrics for? Um, 
So I'm going to go for last month. And then we can set the fields that we want to pull in. So I'll just pull in uh, these three. Um, and if we were to run this now, we basically get we'd get the number of users, number of news and sessions, but we'd get just like one number for the whole of last month. So we just get one record of data. Um, so what we usually want to do is is kind of split that out by by some sort of dimension, right? So we've got this split by field here. So we can split it by date, or we can split it by page title, um, as well as a lot of other stuff. But I'll show page title today. So now we're going to get a different record for each different page title. And then each record is going to have these different fields. Um, we can also add filters. So, if, for example, you had a lot of different stuff on your on your website, and you just wanted to, um, you know, have the have the blog, for example, or you just wanted to pull in, um, you know, a certain part of like the help center, you could add a filter. So you can filter that um, the URL or filter the page title. Um, we set the table. So where do you want to pull that data into? And then we can put save and run. Yeah, we'll then see a preview of, of that data from GA. Um, so you can see we've got all the different page titles here and users, and users, and sessions. And so this used to look a lot different. Um, and it's now yeah, much more like Airtable. It's much more tabular and kind of shows much more realistically what we're going to pull into our base. Um, and for each of these fields, we can either map it to an existing field or create a new field. And DataFetch will set those fields up for you if you select new field. Um, and for each of those, you can kind of set a type. So we could change this if we thought it was actually um, text rather than a number. We could change it. But data fetcher is suggests these. Um, we can change the precision here. Um, and I've made this. This is something I spent like a lot of time making more intelligent. So if, for example, these were URLs, then this would be mapped automatically to a URL field. If they were all emails, it would suggest an email. Um, and so this is like I spent yeah a long time kind of refining and. Um, because the tool people have used it with literally about 2,000 different APIs now, I've come across so many different edge cases, and this is yeah, this is really a lot better than it was even like a few months ago. Um, the other thing to mention here is you can map it to an existing field. So I'm going to select the existing name field. So we're going to use one existing field and three new fields. And I'll click save and run. And just put the app into the sidebar. And we're going to see it connect to Google Analytics again and then pull in our records of data. So there we go. Um, so that appended data to the existing records here. So we have three records here, and it, it created data we can go and we can change this to update here um by default for the marketing apis like google analytics we we append new stuff um and the reason to do that is because um typically what people want to do this kind of thing is schedule so again we can schedule this request and say run this every month on the first day of the month and pull in last month's metrics for that month um so the next one i want to show you quickly there. We've got time. Yeah, we got time. Is a got time. Cool. All right. So, so next one is this screenshot application called URL Box. Um, so I've got a list of URLs here in this URL field, and I want to create a, a screenshot as an attachment field in Airtable. So, so I'm going to select URL Box. Um, there's a few different screenshot APIs. So People have different preferences, but URL box is really nice. It's really fast and it's yeah really robust. Um, and so we need an API key for this. Um, so for applications that need API keys, I've kind of extracted or, or like provide a link for where you get your API key, um, and then it auto populates. So because I've used this app before, my API key is being filled in for me. Um, and then for this application, we need to select an endpoint. So um, Again, I'm exposing some of the complexity of the API, but I'm trying to make it as friendly as possible. So URLworks kind of does two different things. We can either create screenshots or we can create PDFs. Um, so I'll show you screenshots. So then click Save and Continue. And again, we've got some options that we need to fill out. So we just need to do these top two because they're red. 
Um, and so the first thing is the URL of the of, like the of the page that we want a screenshot from. Um, and so we can either just enter a value in here, like google.com, or what I want to show is how we can use the values from our base. These guys here. So we've got this little add button. And we can click that. And we can say we want to use table three. And we will run it for every retina preview. Um, so I'm just going to click confirm. And this is now called like a reference. So this is just a reference to that URL field in table three. And we can select the format that we want the screenshot in. So I'm going to click Save and Run, and continue. And again, this is going to connect to your URL box and show us a preview. Um, and we only need to do this once. So we don't. every time we run it, we don't need to do this kind of mapping. This is just a one-time thing to, to yeah, basically tell DataFetcher how we want to map that. So for this API, we can use an attachment field. So you can see it suggested it here. Um, so we can map this to a new field called screenshot with type attachment. So I'm going to click Save and Run. And again, it's going to make that screenshot field for us and then run it. And it's going to run it for every record here. Nice. So there we go. Um, Cool. If we've got time, I've got one more application I can share, um, which I've just yeah, launched. No worries if not. Yeah, we got That's time. All right. Cool. All right, great. So, yeah, so one. So, back, so back in 2010. Yes, zero. I was going to share you a little story. So, back in 2010, I used, to pay, I, I used to pay someone, a mechanical Turk, to do what you just did automatically. <laughs> now you can pay me. <laughs> um, um, so the last one I'll show is Zero, which is uh, obviously an accounting software, so it's, it's massive. Um, and this is an integration that I did yesterday. Um, and it's basically um, very similar to the Google Analytics one, um, where we need to create an OAuth connection. Um, And does it, um, my question was, to do the scheduler, does the app have to be up and available? Does it have to be in the sidebar? Oh, no. So, yeah. So the only thing you need, um, yeah, you basically just need to put your, it, it uses the Airtable REST API. So um, the first step you have to do is put your Airtable API key in. You only need to do that once on your DataFetcher account. And then. Um, no, you can close the app, you can close Airtable. It yeah, just runs in the background. Um, awesome. so yeah, it's like a proper scheduling. Because I know some apps, you kind of have to, I won't name any names, but you have to like leave the app open at, like, and your laptop open, right? Um, so yeah, it's, pro it's proper scheduling. Um, and yeah, so for zero, we can select loads of different endpoints. Um, it's one that a lot of people have requested recently is important invoices. Um, and I'll show you that now. So we select our organization there. And we can filter. So we can filter by different status or when the invoice was modified. I'll just leave those off for now. Cool. Well, here we go. So there's loads of different fields. Um, and yeah, we can see so yeah so that one's given us a due date and it's given us a date time field um i've got all sorts of different fields here so maybe for some of these um i might know they're actually currency field so i can change it to that um, and then we can actually see the api response so if you are more technical and you want to kind of understand and how I've come up with these fields or how DataFetcher has, has suggested these field mappings, we can actually go in to the API response and see them. We can see if we hover over one, we can turn it off and on. 
on the left hand side as well. Um, and then we can also search for them. So if we've got a field here, we can use this little magnifying glass to kind of search through them. Um, so I've walked a balance with Netflix of trying to, it, for those people, for power users that understand APIs and want to be able to connect to anything and, and understand like, I'm trying to still let them do that, but then also um, reduce the barriers to, to people that are less technical. Um, and that's a kind of constant uh, struggle in the app of, of making the UX simple to use, um, uh, whilst also kind of powerful enough that people that need it. Um, what I spent a lot of time doing is, is hiding stuff in uh, the advanced settings um, and then just documenting it quite thoroughly in the, in the help center. So it is there if people, people want to find it. Um, but not, it's not too kind of uh, scary for, for new users. Um, so yeah, we can see that we've got all our zero invoices imported into that table. Yeah, we got um, a question. Yeah, I just mentioned Rebecca. the advanced settings. Um, if, uh, how to request APIs yep. to be added. Oh yeah, sure. So if you go at the top here, next to application, there's a little um, form here. Obviously, it's an air table, table okay. form. Um, yes. so you can just select one, um, and yeah, if you put the application in, your exact use case, and then your email, um, and then normally most of them only take a you know, couple of weeks to, to a month to add, and then uh, if you put your email in, I'll let you know when it's live. Um, uh, that's um, pretty, yeah, I was going to mention that's the, pretty awesome, maybe. It's like you, Go on. you, I was saying you built basically a Zapier inside of Airtable. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, I mean, people often ask, like, why use it over Zapier or Integromat? And for, I think it's just, it's just a slightly different use case. I think having it right there and not having to change tab the whole time is really nice. Um, yeah. Zapier is obviously really powerful and it's kind of more event-based, but like it can't create fields or create, because um, it's limited by the Airtable REST API, it can't do right. a lot of the stuff that you can do, right? Of creating fields, changing field options, yes. changing, if you've got a select, a single select field, like adding new options and changing like date time and stuff like that. Like, um, so it's by being like limited myself to just Airtable, I think it's, yeah, a lot of people switch to it from Integromat or Zapier because it's more native to the platform. Yeah, for sure. Prepare to be acquired. <laughs> this would be a nice core <laughs> functionality of Airtable. Right, that's what I'm saying. I mean, come on. Uh, what other endpoints do you have on Zero? On Zero, I'll show you now. Am I still sharing or not? Uh, yeah, you I'll add you oh. back. Am I still yeah. Sure. Okay, cool. Um, okay, I see everything I wanted. I mean, you. pretty much all the advanced ones. Have you got it? Okay. Yeah, I see everything I wanted. Yeah, because I'm paying for enough service to do this now, uh, a financial service that I'd rather use your stuff. It looks easier. And when I get yeah. an error yeah. on the service I'm using, it, they don't handle errors well, so I don't know if something failed. I feel like you'd be you'd be better at error handling. Yeah, so I've got, um, you can see this run history, which is, uh, yeah, very, it's modeled on like automation run history. Um, we can go in here and see all your runs, um, filter it by type. And then you can also see this in like the datafetcher dashboard, like datafetcher.com. Um, and yeah, if you get an error, what happens is you get, it's, that bit is modeled on Zapier. Uh, I basically copy everything I do from someone else. Uh, but you can, yeah, basically you'll get an email when it first fails, you get an email when it next fails the next three times, and then if it keeps failing, I'll pause it so it doesn't just keep like running and failing. Um, that's cool. Yeah, that's for the schedule stuff. Cool. Very cool. So check it out in the, I noticed you recently, you bought the .com, because it used to be datafetcher.io, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that was, oh, it's almost a year ago now, but yeah, I bought it, it was, uh, okay. It, was, it wasn't cheap. It was, I think, because it's got the word data in it, it's like a premium domain. So I didn't buy it from someone. I bought it from like, Namecheap, but it still cost, yeah, like $3,000. But yeah, yeah it's totally worth it because yeah. my worry was someone else was going to snap it up and hold me to ransom. So I'm, I'm glad I did. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. cool. So datafetcher.com or find them in the marketplace, the, Air, the Airtable marketplace, install it and use it. Thank you, Andy, for coming on. This is awesome. 
good luck uh, with everything in the future. And Chris, thank you for coming. We're going to meet in person and I give you permission to give me a hug as well. <laughs> so that's awesome. Next time we will do, we're going to do a live show from Austin um, when we're there. So we'll get, we'll get as many people as we can on the show. So uh, you might see some of us on there and um, we're excited to be there. So we'll be off for a few weeks until April 8th or 9th when we're in Austin together in person and we'll do a live show. And then we'll be taking the month of April off as we typically do after each season. And then we'll be back again as normal in May. So thank you again for another wonderful season. And we always love to hear what you're building on air and let us know. Take care. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built On Air podcast.